Good morning, everybody, and welcome. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, and 88 right across Australia. Positively different radio. You are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning. How are you all? How are you, Lyle? I'm great. It's good to have you back after yesterday you decided to have that off, day off and go to the beach. Yeah, something like that. No, actually, I was working. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was probably a good day. I should, maybe I should have gone to the Where beach. Where did you go? Gyra. Gyra? Gyra. Literally never heard of that. What is that? It's near Armada. You've no, I, all of them, you have just offended everybody in Gyra. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a West Australian. Every time you say Armadale, I think of the Armadale in WA. Okay, so has, Gyra has the highest elevation caravan park in Australia. That sounds like something that's just made it to my bucket list. There you go. <laughs> You'll have to head up there and stand that caravan park. But we need to get on with our show today. Mm-hmm. And of course, you are listening to... The Delayed Broadcast. But Sorry. you don't have to be listening to the Delayed Broadcast. No, you can listen to the live show. How do you listen to the live show? Oh, it's very easy. You can jump on our website, which is faithfm.com.au and listen to the live stream or... Get the TuneIn app. And that's so much more fun. I was listening to the TuneIn app when I went to Gara. I got to listen to you doing the show along with Kent on the TuneIn app. Which is totally free to download. Yep. And you just got to search for Faith FM Australia. And you can not only listen in live, you can join in live. Because we do like And the great thing about it was that while I was driving up to Gara, of course, I drove through lots of places up there where there's no um, Faith FM signal. Mm. But there was a phone signal. Yeah, works. Works every time. And it was great. Just ran it straight through the ox cord in the car and away we went. Nice. And you know what? Like, Lyle, I mean, I wouldn't have let you, but anyone else who's listening to the live stream via the TuneIn app, you can, like, join in. You can win the quiz. You can get the free stuff at the end of the show. We do a giveaway. It's just so much better when you, when you join in live. Oh, absolutely. Stay tuned. We've got more great programming coming up in today's show right after this. Crown him with many crowns, the Lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns, all music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for thee, and hail him as thy matchless king. Through all eternity Crown Him the Lord of love Behold His hands and sigh Rich wounds yet visible above Victorious in the strife 
Fernando Ortega, crown him with many crowns here on Faith FM. And Monica, we have the quiz for the day. What is our quiz question for the day? Yes, we have the quiz for the day. And and dear listeners, I am going to try and make this a nice, easy one because it is Friday and I feel like all our brains are going to Mushville. So let's keep this one easy. So this is a who am I question. And the first clue is I am a doctor. Yeah. Do you know who isn't, it is? isn't there only one doctor in the Bible? <laughs> if anyone has a question with which they can stump Lyle, please call me. I'd love to see that smug smirk wiped off his face. <laughs> uh, if you think you know the answer to this one, I'm a doctor. Who am I in the Bible? Give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-846. Or you can text us on 0491-064-669. Or even just message us on our Facebook Facebook. Uh, is Faith FM Australia. So I have this story that I'm going to be talking about about the rise of the 21st century emperors. Ooh. Yes. But what are you talking about, Mon? Oh, I was going to ask you, Lyle. Do you know how to build a house? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Yeah, I'd have a crack at building a house. Okay, Uh, but... uh, I've I've worked on houses plenty of times. I've never actually built a house from scratch, but no, it's not something I would balk at. Okay, but uh, could you do it in less than 24 hours? No. Well, it depends how you define house. <laughs> no, no, no. I could build a cubby house in <laughs> 12 hours, you know. <laughs> this has to be a one that has got like all the permits cleared off, inhabitable by a family, built with mortar. Built with, in Australia? Anywhere in the world. Anyway, okay. There, there are places in the world where inhabitable by a family, built with mortar... I'd have a crack at it. I might need a bit of help. Do you reckon you could do it for under $4,000? Well, 
It depends what country it's in. <laughs> and if I can make my own mud bricks. But if I'm making my own mud bricks, then... You definitely couldn't do that in 24 hours. No, 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 it's not going to happen in 24 okay, hours. Okay, the reason dry. I'm asking is, I'm sure we're all aware of the the housing crisis, which is bit, literally like in every corner of the globe. We have yes. some sort of, some form of housing crisis going on. And there is a really innovative company that has taken a crack at trying to solve it. And guess how they're doing it? Um, let me think. Um, with mortar? 3D printed houses. No way. I'm serious. Like, so, I mean, first No they, way. So absolutely. I can just jump on my computer and hit. Well, know, kind of, kind control of. Control I mean, first they had a house and I just move on in. And <laughs> not quite that simple. You're not going to do it from your, from your Mac and just press print on the office printer. <laughs> <laughs> so they did have the world's largest 3D printer and that made uh, an almost zero cost home out of mud. And that those houses only cost mud. $53. 53 bucks for a house. Wait, but, wait, wait, wait. But that was something different to the one. How does a 3D printer print with mud? Um. Well, 3D printers that I've seen print with plastic. Yeah, well, you I mean you have to like load it with different ink, don't you? Yeah, okay. this one, this one you load with mud, and this one you load with mortar. But, 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 let me just let me just do a disclaimer. The mud house that was fifty three dollars. They're not ones that that are cleared by like housing boards and stuff. They're not they're not permitted. You know, they're kind of more like a little project kind of a thing, and they're just round and they're quite boring. But another company I has think a round house is cool. Yeah, but like you know. It could be nicer. So this company has um, has taken another crack at it, a different company, I should say, and they're now like it looks like a proper house. Like you know, it has rooms, doors, windows. It's really pretty. Can you put up a link on our Facebook page? I sure maybe, can. So we can. I sure a, can. Have a squeeze at that. And uh, and see, so look at that. Doesn't that look nice? It's like oh mo- well, yeah, I'd live in that. Absolutely. Yeah, same. It's like modern and chic. And um, that was three yeah, D printed. That was three D printed and less than twenty four hours because the mud version takes a lot longer because you, know, you can only do one meter at a time. Then they have to wait for it to dry like mm-hmm. almost an entire mm-hmm. day. Yep. This one, 12 to 24 hours, done with mortar. And um, and this, the one I showed you the picture of was like the template one. And that was actually built in Austin, Texas. And it's signed off by the housing board. And, you know, it's all clear, all good to go, inhabitable. They by are American now, law. Sorry? By American law. By American law. Yeah. They are now going to be taking this innovation um, to third world countries. They're starting off in rural El Salvador and Haiti, Um where they're going to be building these houses for impoverished communities. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great that they can help, um, you know, uh, third world countries and and, uh, and places where there's, like, you know, a lot of struggle. But I, I'm seriously hoping they come to Australia and help me out. <laughs> I'm looking for a house yeah. and I would, I would definitely pay four grand for that. <laughs> uh, you just need a piece of land to put it on, Mom. Yeah, like, don't you have a big backyard and a swimming pool? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know. I can share with the cows. It's fine. They are friendly cows. They, they are very. They, they talk to me over the fence. They 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 come and eat eat out of my hand, and they're all they're all named. Did you know that? Oh, really? All the cows in my na- in my paddock have names. See, I would definitely like to my landlord. Have those I was talking to my landlord about it. It's like, yeah, they all have names. Do, hey, what does the Bible say about building a house upon a rock or something? Well, this is an interesting question you ask. The Bible, Jesus tells a parable about two men: one who built his hand his house, I should say, on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds nice. And one who built his house on a rock. Now, if you go over to uh, Stockton Beach, where you have um, r- right here in, in Newcastle, you're going to find that building a house on the beach may not be the greatest idea because Stockton Beach is disappearing. 
But isn't there already a city, like a, a people who have built their houses on There's Stockton Beach? There's lots of people building their houses over there. There's lots of houses that have been there for like 100 years. And now the Stockton Beach is disappearing at like a metre a year. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Because yeah, they've made all kinds of changes to the port, you know, and so forth. Oh, and, I see. And the erosion is increasing. And so those houses could be falling into the ocean sometime soon. Oh, unless mercy. Unless something is done about it. Mercy. And so that's a local news story right here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... When Jesus talks about these two men, one builds his house on the beach and the other one builds his house on the rock and the storm came and the one on the beach fell into the ocean and the one on the rock was just still on the rock. So is Jesus giving us housing advice? He is, very much so. Mm-hmm. And he's telling you to build your house on the rock and in this particular story, he identifies the rock as himself. And so a home... So now it goes from more to being just a house, it now becomes a home. A home that is built on Jesus Christ, the rock, is a home that will stand and that will last. If you make Jesus the center of your home, then that home has every likelihood of lasting. Here's an interesting stat for you. Mm-hmm. Um, they looked at um, divorce rates, you know, broken homes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, between Christians and non-Christians, and they found out that they were you know, basically the same. But then they redid the stats and they looked at stats that looked at families that prayed together. Oh, yeah? On a daily basis. Uh-huh. And families that prayed together on a daily basis had a 97% success rate compared wow. to a 50%, a 50% success rate. So you really can say... So when Jesus said, build your house, build your home on the rock, he wasn't messing around. He knew what he was talking about. Uh huh. So those that pray together really do stay together. That's right. That's yeah. lovely. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Here's another story um, on on housing, and this yeah. is a, a local story here from Lake Macquarie. There's a group here that is called Our Backyard. Okay. And it has a kitchen, and it has toilet facilities, and lots of grass. Mm-hmm. And if you're living rough and you're living, you're homeless, living in a car, you can go and park your car there. Oh, really? Yep. And as and it's secure. You're not going to get broken into. You're not going to get attacked in the middle of the night or anything strange like that. And you've got a kitchen and toilet and shower facilities. Where is this? Uh, this is in uh, the Lake Macquarie area. Um, and, and there's an interesting stat because homelessness has increased in, Australia, in New South Wales by 27% since 2011. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's a massive. Yeah, it's massive. massive I mean, just increase. before, but just before I did this segment, I was looking up just you know housing crisis worldwide, and I was astounded at how every pocket of the globe is affected by housing. Like there was no yeah, homeless, place that homelessness. Was homelessness is at an all time high, particularly in developed countries. You know, we're talking about mm. um, developing countries here. Uh, with these 3D printed houses, but homelessness... This is everywhere. And Jesus talks about providing homes for people, providing roofs over their head. And he says, when you've done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, to quote the old KJV, you have done it to me. And it it wasn't actually just um, homelessness. It was, you know, a housing crisis in in, in another way as well, in that there are families now who, a lot of families in Australia who are actually skipping meals just to be able to pay their mortgage. Mm -hmm. So they have a home, but they're still having a crisis because now they're having to, you know, go without something else, go without food. More people die of the cold in Australia than Norway. What? Because we can't afford to switch on our heaters. Because of the electricity prices? Because of the electricity prices. Ah, uh, we need to talk about that sometime. Because I, I was talking to my best friend yesterday and she was having a massive gripe how so many businesses have the aircon up to freezing. All the time. All the time, which is unnecessary and chewing through the electricity. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I feel like we could just not turn them up so high and we could save a lot of money in electricity. Yeah, and the environment along the way, which is always a good thing. If you have an opinion about this, give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM. We'd love to discuss housing and freezing aircons and can you afford to turn your heater on? We'd love to know about it. Winter and is Building coming. your home on the rock. Yeah, and building your house on the rock. We're going to have a quick song break now and we'll be back right after this. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of
Kristen Getty with Alison Krauss in Christ Alone here on Faith FM. Lyle, what is this you have going on with a bunch of emperors taking over the world? Is that what you said? Well, Mon, you know me and you know that I like all things to do with Bible prophecy and the Uh book of Revelation Mm -hmm. and the New World Order and globalization of our planet. And so I've sort of been working on this story for a little while and doing a little bit of research and... uh, and yeah, this is this is something that I observe in our world today. So let's let's consider for a moment one of the major news stories of today, which is the uh, poisoning of the Russian spy oh. that defected to England. Am I the only person who thinks this like it reads like a James Bond movie? Like every time I hear it, I'm like, seriously, did this seriously happen? I feel like any minute now, 007 is going to jump out from behind something, and be like, ta-da! It was all a trick. Yeah, and and, <laughs> and you know, and of course, we all sit back here in the West with shock and horror, like, yeah. oh, this is so terrible. Like as if the CIA doesn't do this kind of thing, and yeah, exactly, you know, Mossad or whatever else, and you know, mm-hmm. and of course we support, um, you know, <laughs> we support the English all our all our holier family. holier than ours, and then and then of course there is, um, you know, the implication that Russia was involved in manipulating the. Uh, elections in the United States to get Trump into power, oh, and I'm really? just sort of thinking to myself, you know, this is CIA bread and butter. This is this is what they do. This is what they were formed for to manipulate foreign governments. Isn't that what it's all about? Is that what they were formed for? Well, you know, that's a bit cheeky. It's a bit cheeky, but study the history of the CIA, and you're going to find that they've done a lot of that kind of thing. Um, change regime change, it is called. Oh, regime change. Regime okay. change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all about that regime change. <laughs> I did think there was a good point made this morning um, when. Um, Putin did say, you know, why are you all up in arms about us poisoning your guys? Your guys have been poisoning our guys for ages. And I was like, oh, I guess you never do actually hear the flip side, do you? Of course you don't. Yeah. This is not going to be reported over in, in, in uh, anyway. So, the rise of the 21st century emperors. And so we begin with, uh, well, let's begin with Putin. Uh-huh. Okay, so this happens, notice, mm-hmm. five days out from an election. Isn't that just always the way? Yeah, well, it's five days out now, I should say. Uh It happens a few days out from an election. And what that then does is that it's like, oh, well, the whole world is against Russia all of a sudden and I'm your saviour. And so, you know, Putin just solidifies himself. He's expected to have 70% of the vote um, in coming into power. And it puts him in an unbeatable position. And so Putin is just, you know, manipulating the electorate so that he can reign quite literally, as an emperor mm-hmm. um, and, and just simply stay there. And, of course, the, the flip side of, of that is that the U.S., you know, typically in the U.S., before the second-term election, a U.S. president will go to war. Oh, really? Yeah, because whenever there's a war, the president becomes wildly popular. Study back through the history of it. It's fascinating. They always go to war just before their second term election because that way they get re-elected and, uh, and, and their popularity goes up. And so it'll be interesting to see where Trump goes in the next couple of years. But um, Trump is one, another one of these emperors because Trump is, has this revolving door. Mm-hmm. We talked about this the other day. Stuff. He has a revolving door of fired staff where he's sending a very clear message, I don't need staff. Mm-hmm. I am quite qualified to run this show myself. He's signed, you know, twice as many, more than twice as many executive orders 
as his Whoa. predecessor. So he's, he's more or less ruling the government by executive order. Do you think he's going to run a second term or do you reckon they won't? Well, if, he's, he's, I think it's very clear. Clearly, somebody like Trump is not going to uh, retire when there's the opportunity to run for another um, term of election. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, so then you've got uh, Xi Jinping, who has, of course, um, changed the legislation so that he can stay in as president forever. Of China. And have people, you know, study groups and so forth, studying all of his famous writings and so forth. And your fourth great emperor is Pope Francis. Pope Francis. Otherwise known as Teflon Francis. Teflon Francis? Like a frying pan? Yes, like a frying pan. Now, this is interesting because what you find with Teflon Francis is that nothing bad sticks to Francis. Have you noticed that? Do you know what I have? Yeah, I haven't noticed, but now that you point out, here nothing's is, been here on. Here is a world leader mm-hmm. that is embroiled in more scandal than any other world leader, and none of it sticks. Really? Why is that? You know, here you've got a, here you've got, here you've got a world leader. Okay, let's say that you had Trump or Putin or Xi Jinping, mm-hmm. who is implicated in you know one one in ten of his uh, of his staff. Um, involved in child sex abuse scandals. Oh, okay. They would very quickly crumble. Their, oh. their, their, their support base would just over. vanish. And yet this is Francis's position. And so that, that, that gets my, my conspiracy theory mind turning over and wondering, you know, you've got Mark Zuckerberg heading over there to have meetings with uh, Pope Francis. You've got uh, Sunda um, Pichai from uh, the CEO of Google heading over there to have meetings with Francis. Really? And suddenly we just don't get much being reported, nothing popping up on our news feeds of any negative news coming out of the Vatican. I'm a little bit disgusted, I have to admit. I mean, just listening to this, you paint this picture. I guess my mind is with like the little people, like the people that get assassinated, the people that are sent to war so the president can look good in his second term. You know, the the victims of all these sexual abuse. Like, I, the God that I believe in is not going to let justice slide on those issues. No, no, not at all. And this is what the Bible says. In fact, if you go to uh, Revelation chapter 17... There's some pretty heavy chapters over here. Some pretty heavy chapters. I just feel so bad for for, for the just the, the little people, like the common people who are basically pawns in the yeah. games that these yeah. people are playing. I mean, here you get a, you get a situation, you know, you look at uh, Pope Francis, for instance, and just do a little bit of research on um, the child sex abuse scandals that he's been involved in in Argentina and linked to. And you don't have to dig very far. And there is just a whole heap of information that comes pouring out Yet we never hear about it in the media. Mm. You know, you have a world leader um, running one of the, you know, the the largest global organization on the planet, who is involved in scandals that are just out of all proportion of anything to do with any other world leader, and yet nothing sticks. You've got a world leader who takes, you know, our own Cardinal George Pell and makes him the third highest Roman Catholic in the world, in order to get him out of Australia, where he was about to face. Charges, Charges. yeah. Um, And of course, once again, nothing sticks. Anyway, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 17, um, verse 16, sorry, the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. Um, And you've got, if you go over to chapter 18, you've got a whole chapter on the fall of Babylon at the end of time. And here the Bible is speaking about a coalition of religions that come together, Mm -hmm. major world religions at the end of time, in an effort to manipulate the political scene on our planet. 
And that's what's happening now. And it's exactly what's happening now. And if you go to Revelation chapter 13, you find that the issue here, the issue at the end of time is not about politics, is not about power, is not about money. It goes beyond that. It goes to the next level. And so in Revelation chapter 13, where you've got these prophecies about the Antichrist and you've got these prophecies about the, you know, the first and the second beast and so forth. What is know, the next level though? Very good question. Notice this. I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death. This is the beast. Mm -hmm. And his deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast. And they, watch this, they worshipped the dragon, which gave power to the beast, and they worshipped the beast. Okay, hold that thought. Verse 8, all that live upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. Uh, go down to verse 12, the Bible says, and he forces the earth and those which live in it to worship the first beast. Then go down to verse 15, the end of verse 15, it says that he'll force that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. That's five times in 12 verses that the Bible has raised the issue of worship. So the next level is worship. The next level is always worship. And this sounds like the devil when he wanted when he was, you know, wanted to oppose Jesus because he wanted to be worshiped. It starts in heaven. Yeah. It starts before the creation of our world. You know, I will be like the most high. I will sit on the throne of God. I will ascend above, you know, the stars of God and sit on the sides of the north. I will I will be worshiped. It starts in heaven. It extends to this earth. Study your history. Mm. you will find that consistently throughout history, once people have been able to accumulate all of the wealth, all of the power, the next thing that they go after is all of the worship. And what we have is a cycle. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the cycle of history taking place between where people take the power back and then you have the rise of emperors and then people take the power back and emperors come up again. And what we're looking at right now is the rise of the emperors as these great um, democracies or so-called democracies begin to collapse. We need to study this out a bit more because that sounds oh, a bit scary. Yeah. Maybe some other time. We're going to have a Jesus quick song soon. break. Amen. He certainly is. We have a quick song break and then we're going to be doing a special guest. Interview. Little sparrows have gone past by simply singing the songs he placed within their breast while about their merry winging. And little daisies have gone past by simply being. Are 
You were listening to Matt and Josie Minigus, Little Sparrow Psalm here on Faith FM. And Monica, what have we got there for the second clue for our quiz question? The first one is this person is a doctor. Mm-hmm. So who am I? If you think you know the answer, you can call us at 1-800-FAITH-FM. The first clue, as Lyle just said, was I am a doctor. And the second clue is I wrote the third book of the New Testament and Axe. Okay, I think that one's, uh, oh, that just gives it away, doesn't it? So if you know the answer, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, or text us on 0491-064-669, or just shoot us a message on Facebook, and there will be a prize coming your way. Now, Dana, welcome yes. to the studio. Thank you very much. Um, was there only one doctor in the Bible? One person who was called far, a doctor? As far as I know, there's only one doctor. That's what I'm thinking. And when <laughs> the know, first clue came out, it's like, oh, I'm a doctor. I'm thinking, I only know of one person who was called a doctor. <laughs> now, of course, Jesus Christ was the greatest doctor, but he wasn't called a doctor, was he? No. He was called the healer. Do you know who it is? <laughs> Don't tell us if you, if you, who it is, but do you know I, who it I is? I reckon I've got a good clue. <laughs> He's got a good clue. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. <laughs> okay, so we have, uh, we have Dana Howard here in the studio today, and uh, we're super excited about that because, Dana, you're new to the area. Yes. And yes. Uh, why are you new to the yeah, area? Yeah, where are you from? <laughs> Um, I've just come from Tasmania. Absolutely. Oh, yes. See, he's just come from the you promised land. You brought that up just so you could talk about Tasmania, <laughs> Of course I did. <laughs> See, Tasmania's a great place. Your parents live in Tasmania. I come from Tasmania. Dana has just come from Tasmania. I've got to admit, being a Queenslander, I, I'm surprised how good Tassie was. <laughs> <laughs> that was very diplomatically put there. Very diplomatically put. No. Did, uh, did you freeze? I moved from Townsville to Tassie three years ago at the beginning of their coldest winter in 40 years Whoa. and it was so cold at night we bought an electric blanket I'd come home from work have tea and get into bed <laughs> <laughs> I was freezing uh, and what brings you uh, further north now okay you haven't made it back to Queensland yet no, but you're no, sort of in, in, the in the right direction <laughs> uh, no my role here is youth mm-hmm. and my role down there was youth in North Queensland also so I'm looking after the teenage or the high school age youth mm-hmm. in uh, the northern part of North Gisela Wales. Fantastic. Awesome. And that, yeah. of course, is with the Seventh-day Adventist Church. With the Seventh-day Adventist Church, yeah. that's right. Now, Dana, just to give us a little bit of background on yourself and your journey <laughs> and so forth, um, yeah, did you grow up in a Christian home? Uh, initially, no. Yeah, um, I, hear, I hear a pause <laughs> coming through there. <laughs> but, yeah, um, my great-grandmother was one of the early Adventists in Queensland. Okay. However, my grandma took off, left church, didn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when my mum was going to send me to Sunday school, I suppose it was, my grand popped up and said, hey, hang on, hang on not Sunday school, Sabbath school, I'll take you. And so mum and myself, my sister and my grand walked into Southport Church. Is that so? Yeah. Okay, so your grandmother, she hasn't had connection with the Adventist Church for how, how many years at this oh, point? At that point, probably was 30 plus years. Right. And so your mum then has grown up in a non-Christian environment? Uh, Christian, but non-church going. Non-church going yeah. environment. Yeah. So believer, but... Yes, believer, definitely. Um, and mm. so she's like, yeah, I want my kids to believe, and so yeah. let's send take... Us um, to, send us along to Sunday school, and my grand had a fit. Oh, you, got, <laughs> you got brothers and sisters? I've got four brothers, uh, well, two brothers, two sisters. Yep. And, and you're the oldest? Or? I'm the eldest in the group. So you were yes. the first one then who was um, yeah. you know, ready for Sunday school? And <laughs> yes. And so, yeah, mum was going to take it along, so we walked into Southport Church one morning and 
Never stop going. Is that Amen. So? Mm-hmm. Your, your mum as well? My mum as well, my sister, and um, eventually my dad. Your grandmother? Uh, my grandmother too, yes. Yeah? Yes. So, Fantastic. Yeah, that was the old Southport Church. Hospital's built over it now. So, How old were you? I was probably about five or just starting school, somewhere yep. around there. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. So, and um, uh, during this process, what was it like for you as a five-year-old turning up at church <laughs> for the very first time? Was this something... I remember myself being a rat bag. In, in <laughs> <laughs> Why do I find that not hard? Um, not hard to... I to. feel a bit sorry for the... For the lady teaching us kids because I remember sitting at the back mucking around all the time and playing up and, yeah, I wasn't really interested. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this would be a very new thing for a five-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Being confined to a space, I'm I'm a bit of a – I like to move around a bit and, um, yeah. Yeah. So I was here's a, here's, a, here's a word of advice for you if you are listening today and you have young children. The younger you start them going to church, yes, the more definitely. used to it they will be. Yes. And uh, I started taking my kids to church uh, when they first came home from the hospital after being born. Yes. And so that way they just sort of never know anything different, and it's it's and, it's and normal for them. Can I add something else there? If you have family worship at home, yes, mm. and you have a quiet time at home with family worship, with the kids are sitting. And, um, yeah, it helps also. Yeah. Definitely. Yep. Yeah, I actually have a friend who does um, a little Bible study with her kids right before lunch every day and just mm. sits them down on the couch quietly, a little Bible study and then lunch. And so the time they get to church on the weekend, it's just part of their normal their normal schedule to have quiet sitting down yep. and then having a meal. And this is good for children just generally mm, to have scheduled times of quietness, mm, rather than yep. just like yeah, run route all day long. Um, <laughs> it's um, it's 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 great, you know, mental discipline for children helps structure. them develop. Yeah, structure. Yeah. So yep. Dana, as a young person heading along to church and uh-huh. uh, being a bit of a rat bag and giving your poor Sabbath school teacher a terribly hard time, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I can feel sorry for her right now. Um, was there a point where you actually made a decision for yourself or was it just sort of something yeah. that, that just sort of happened over time? I can remember getting up into my teen years. You know, you have a visiting speaker come along and they make this big appeal and everyone would stand up and you know, make appeal if you accept Christ, stand up. And everyone would stand up and I'd know full well what was happening. I'm thinking, you yeah, a bunch of hypocrites, you know, and I wasn't going to stand up. I'd, I'd sit down and... So you were, mumbled, you were you were the rebel. Myself. The, the one, <laughs> everyone everyone stands up because everyone else is standing exactly. up. Exactly, and Dana sits there. Yeah, I was, <laughs> makes, I wasn't makes his stand point. Up, you nonconformist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, and then I remember one time it was South Brisbane Church. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the speaker. I don't remember what he said. But I remember being the first to stand. I was really convicted. Wow, I was yeah. the first to stand, and um, that was the beginning of a change. But it was a long, slow change. Right. Yeah, a long, slow change. I was. One of these guys that went to church and um, had a form of godliness, but not much else. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so where did uh, what, what what point did it change from being a form of godliness? <laughs> I mean, you've, you've you've had this experience where yeah. you've started yep. by making a decision at a camp meeting. Yeah. And we've got a camp meeting coming up in a few weeks' time. We don't do. We? Yeah, we do. absolutely. If you if you're in the uh, um, North New South Wales area, then um, give us a call and we'll see if we can find some space for you. Mm. It's an amazing event. We've like two and a half thousand people turn up or something or yes, other. So that's right, yeah. It's just spiritually incredible. But, um, <clears throat> okay, so you've made this decision at a camp meeting. Yes. And at some point, it becomes more than a form of godliness. <laughs> when my son was born, I was about 23 by this stage, um, 
I'd watched my mates enough. I knew what I was like. And I realised that my son would do what I did, not what I told him. Yeah. Mm. And I decided that I better get my act together. And um, if I'm going to be a Christian, be a Christian. If I'm going to muck around, well, why bother? Yep. So I decided, yeah, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. I want to give my heart to him properly or, or more completely. Mm-hmm. I, I, was, I was always just half there at that point, up to that point. But after that, I really wanted to give my life to Christ. Yep. You wanted yeah. to get in deeper than just being a pew warmer. Exactly, yeah, yeah definitely. Mm. I used to put my shirt on to go to church and take it off and put my shirt on and grab my Bible at the same time. Took my shirt off when I got home from church and put my Bible on the shelf again, and that was it for the week. Mm. Yeah, um, hmm. yeah, so. Yes, it's amazing how many people have heard that experience of uh, they have their firstborn child, they look at their firstborn child, and they realize the responsibility yeah. that God has given to them, and it's just a life-changing experience. Yes, definitely. And at that, at that time, when God knew I was getting serious and wanting to get serious, um, my mate from that I was, a mate of mine I was working with said, hey, I've been inviting to a small group Bible study thing. I don't really want to go. Will you come with me? Um, I went. He went. He never. He never. So he got, didn't want to go. No, he didn't want to go. <laughs> and and, uh, and so he was feeling under some social pressure to be there. <laughs> and he wanted some company. He didn't know. Didn't think he'd know anybody there. Um, I went. Turned out to be running, being run by an old mate of mine. And um, I never stopped going. And the mate never went again. But um, yeah, and that really getting amongst that group of young people. I was one of the oldest, probably actually, but a group of young people that was. Um, Going somewhere, yeah. they, they were serious about Jesus. They wanted to know Him better. They wanted to share their faith. They wanted to be make a difference. Yep, and yep. that changed my yep. direction in a large degree. Yeah, fantastic. Mm. I'm sure there's so, some people who are listening who yeah. are wondering, like, you know, I have that experience. I just go to church on the weekend and then I shelve my Bible and I just take it out again on the next weekend. I'm sure they're wondering, like, if if they wanted to get serious about Jesus, like, how does one actually get serious about Jesus? <laughs> So what would you say to that, Donna? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a, um, <laughs> I need help because I'm a, I guess you could say I'm a type A person. I don't like to sit still. I, I, I walk into the home after coming home from work and I'm looking around, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What have I got? And to sit down and actually study the Bible and to pray, I struggle with, to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not natural for me. Yeah. What's the next task? <laughs> exactly. What's the next task? What can I do? And so I actually need a group that I can sit down with, which I don't have at the moment, but I need a group I can sit down with and actually study the Bible with and, and get in a huddle with type thing and have social, I guess you'd call it, it's a little bit of um, uh, accountability. Mm-hmm. But it's also a group to do it with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening and you are, if you can relate to what Dana is saying, and you're a task oriented person <laughs> and would like to be a part of a small group, give us a call because we know people who know people, mm-hmm. and we will find a small group for you to go and study the Bible with. I better give in your you, area. I'll better give you a call actually. <laughs> I just moved here. <laughs> Tuesday nights, Gillison Heights Community Centre, uh, right there, there seven o'clock. Small group studying the Bible together. Come and join us. Yeah. Um, so, Dana, you haven't always been in ministry. No, no. I um, started a uh, building apprenticeship when I was 15 mm-hmm. and did that for 25 or more years and then joined ministry in 2002. 2002. Okay. Yeah. And what was it that uh, – okay, so, so, 
Yeah, how did you end up in ministry? You didn't end up in ministry through, through the usual no, channels. No, I didn't. My, well, I, I'll just back up a bit. When I proposed to my wife, she said, we disagree, we disagree on what exactly was said, but she said something to the effect of, as long as you never become a minister. <laughs> and um, my answer to that basically was, why would I ever, ever want to do that for? <laughs> that was the last thing in my mind. And now the Lord's having the last yeah, laugh. <laughs> yeah, he has a few of them, actually. <laughs> and so um, I just got this growing conviction. Um, after I started with this small group, and then I started giving Bible studies to people, and I just had this growing conviction. Danny, you've got to do this. You've got to do this full time. You've got to mm. be doing it. And I was actually going to go to um, do theological studies in 2000. I was planning on it, mm-hmm. and I should back up a bit. My wife told me one day after I told her that I'm convicted. I, I really feel I'm called to ministry, and she said. Remember what I told you. <laughs> um, because she had seen, you know, ministers' kids can sometimes be the radius kids, and I now understand why. Yeah. Because they're under 24 hour scrutiny. Yeah. But, um, in a glass bowl. Yeah, in a glass bowl, all right. And so are we. Um, but yeah, I, I got to this point where she turned around and said to me one day, because I was leaving home at six in the morning, getting home at six at night, doing my building, have tea, have a shower, race out and, and do Bible studies. And um, she said to me one day, I feel like a widow. You might as well do ministry. I might see more of you. Mm-hmm. Which oh. was, a wake, was a wake up to me also because I changed my style at that point and mm-hmm. started spending more time at home with my family and so on which I needed to because mm-hmm. um, ministers can get too busy and neglect their families. Mm-hmm. And then um, we planned to go to Avondale in, uh, to do theological studies in 2000, but I had my son about to start year 12, and so I said, I'll do a volunteer for a year. And instead of volunteering in Australia, we ended up volunteering in the islands for the next three years. Whereabouts? Fiji primarily, and then in New Guinea, Vanuatu, Kiribati, yep. all sorts. Yep. Fantastic. So what a great I, experience. Yeah, so I sort of did an apprenticeship, um, a second one. And uh, it's the best style of learning for me. And I, yeah, I was doing lay training, teaching lay people how to share their faith. That was yeah. my role. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I, I, I really um, I really resonate with what you're sharing here, Donna, because um, I started apprenticeship when I was 15 and did cabinet making, and uh, I didn't get a degree from Havendale either. <laughs> not that I, not that um, that's bad. I mean, we need our theologians, but we're, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're, we're, we're super excited to have you here um, in the North New South Wales area and ministering to our young people and our youth and looking forward to some really exciting things in the future and working together. Okay. And um, it's just been great having you here on the show, Dan. Thank you very much. We've got Silla. His eye is on the sparrow. Shadows come 